This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. Traditionally, the gallery used to be sort of the goal and the dream for everybody, but in, in Boston especially, I mean, I, I kind of, I wouldn't necessarily recommend an artist to sort of tie up their portfolio in a gallery because there's a lot of sort of contractual things that are involved with that relationship. It's not just I'm represented, sit back, and they would do the work for you. Hello, welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. I'm Anita Walker at the Massachusetts Cultural Council, and our guest today is Liz Devlin. She is a curator and art consultant by night. By day, she works in private equity. That's an interesting combination, Liz. And I'm just getting to know you for the first time as we're sitting here together. So how do those two pieces of yourself come together? Uh, well, uh, thank you for having me. Um, I was a marketing major uh, in college, and I thought that that would sort of be a nice arts and business blend and sort of being creative uh, and thinking of these really interesting advertisements and laughing at like a boardroom table and all these really great visions in my head of what that sort of career path would be and then I graduated and it was not uh, kind of anything that I had dreamt up and I ended up um, having uh, an opportunity to join a financial institution in Boston. I went to school in DC um, and that brought me here uh, and it was just nice to have a job but then once you're in finance nobody thinks you can be creative ever again. Your resume doesn't read uh, as anything complex and so um, I found myself having to find a way to satiate the creative side of myself, which is what I'm actually passionate about and driven by. And so um, I started my site Flux, and so, um, and then everything kind of carried on from there, but it's it's really important for me to sort of have these left brain, right brain worlds working together, because I don't think I would be happy in either realm on its own, so it's a nice blend. Tell us more about Flux. Flux is a, a website that I started in 2008. Uh, I consider it a resource for artists and art enthusiasts in the Boston area and beyond. Um, I focus uh, primarily on New England artists. Um, it was a site that started from my walking around the city and picking up postcards for events that looked really interesting but they had passed. And so realized that there wasn't really an online aggregate that had that sort of information that I was looking for. So I, in the beginning, started putting this together for myself uh, and then I figured you know maybe there's somebody else out there that would be interested in this too and so um, it really started off as an event site and then that's uh, as somebody new to Boston at that time fairly new I didn't really know anybody here when I moved here and I was looking for ways to be connected to the arts community so I just started going to open studios and talking to artists and um, learning about their exhibitions and then including that online uh, I say that I talk about everything from like the MFA to a show in your grandmother's basement. So there's kind of <laughs> that whole spectrum. Um, and then in talking to artists, I just would hear about the lack of opportunities uh, to show in Boston and New England. And so instead of just writing about their work, I thought, well, why don't I create opportunities for them to show? And so the first show I did was called Offline. So I took these artists I thought were great, brought them offline, and then I realized that over the years through curation, you're not always going to sell out a show. And I was trying to think about financial uh, sustainability and, and sort of celebrating these artists that live here and that's what kind of brought me into consulting and actually getting these artists work into homes and businesses and um, trying to make it so that there isn't just hotel art like all over the place and, and really f sort of from a ground up way trying to find my own way to help artists to feel like this is a place that they should stay and create. 
This is a, a really an important need. I, I'm sure you've found that as well. I mean, so many artists are, I mean, they're so passionate and so uh, diligent about their art, but then when it comes to marketing or getting it out in the art, in the, in the marketplace, um, that's difficult for a lot of artists. Sure. So this connection between the art and the artist and the consumer or the audience, that's a real necessary bridge. Yeah, I think that, um, it's being an artist is a very sort of solitary act in many respects and it sort of has to be for some people to really get your sort of creative juices going and things like that but you're sometimes so holed up in the studio and caught in your own head that you have all these sort of uh, self-imposed creative blocks or sort of uh, there's a disconnect between like the art that you're creating and talking about it or speaking about it or reaching out and an intimidation and things like that and that was one of the important things that I wanted to make sure I kind of drove home with Flux is like I'm one person like my email is Liz at Flux Boston, you know hyphen Boston.com and you know I'm not like a, a team of people so I try to like with everything that I do make the arts feel accessible so like really bring it down you can email Liz like Liz will talk to you and like help you sort of navigate these waters and I think that that is really something that's important. Um, it, I kind of, any given day, that's what's exciting about my inbox and the arts community versus finance is that every day it's something new or it's some artist having a question and, and then I feel like after being here for 10 years I can actually sort of be helpful at this point and like What are some of the common questions you get? Um, I, a lot of it, you know, it's there's a certain degree of like therapy with a lot of the, the I think there's a lot of self-doubt in abilities and things like that. And I think that also sort of uh, um, ideas related to uh, parts of uh, artists' career and like where they're at, where they should be at, caught in their head, sort of stuck, like where do I show, what should I be doing? I think sometimes there's... Um, and maybe this is facilitated by technology too, there's almost so many options sometimes it becomes a non-starter for people and they feel like they don't know what they're doing. Um, a lot of the questions are just about like how to get their art out there, um, how to find opportunities, like things that might be a good fit. Um, just looking for ways to figure out their own sort of personal careers and where there might be Do a place Do artists for them. need an intermediary or are there some who can just do it on their own? Oh, I mean, I think anybody can do it on their own. I think it's just kind of uh, identifying that you do the tools within yourself to do so. I mean, everything that I've done has been in the arts community has been built in a very like nonlinear way, and it's just through my own efforts that sort of like running across the city for ten years and meeting somebody for coffee and just saying, "I think what you do is really interesting. I'd love to just chat." Um, is how everything has sort of come to uh, be my career path, I suppose, and. In doing that um, with every person I meet, it's, it's sort of filling in a piece of knowledge that I don't have or an area I'm interested in. Or how do you run a gallery? Like meet with a gallerist and then, well, what happens with shipping? Like talk to an installer. Like it's just, I love learning about how people do different things and through that there's sort of a natural evolution of this um, sharing and support system that grows with all these sort of tendrils and different pieces. And it's not just um, sort of quartered off to the arts community because there's a lot of businesses that are interested in supporting artists too and they don't know how to connect so I think um, sort of you have that piece of it too, the, these sort of two separate worlds that actually can be this overlapping diagram and um, finding ways to connect those two universes together is important in addition to artists connecting with galleries and institutions and um, one thing that I think is great and is one of the reasons I've stayed in Boston is I do think that the hierarchy, um, it's pretty flat. I, I say that you can be like a watcher or a participator at any given point and I think that 
you know, there, you can be somebody who's an artist starting out and feel free to send an email to the director of the MFA or somebody yourself, hopefully, unless that's going to get you spam email or something like that. But I think that there's, um, there's not a lot of barriers that you'd find in other cities where you have to, like, you know, be a Work coffee way fetcher and, yeah, and do all these sort of admin things to grow. It's, it's really just a, 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 comes from a genuine interest of just getting to know somebody. So I think an artist can do that just by do you reaching think, out. Do you think that um, uh, people are being more creative in terms of the places where their work can be shown or the, the places that the public can interact so it doesn't have to be a gallery per se? Sure. I mean, what are some of the, you know, non-traditional places where um, an artist might think about um, showcasing their work? I think it, it, it comes from different sources sometimes. Um, I think traditionally the gallery used to be sort of the goal and the dream for everybody, but I, in, in Boston especially, I mean, I, I kind of, I wouldn't necessarily recommend an artist to sort of tie up their portfolio in a gallery because there's a lot of sort of contractual things that are involved with that relationship. It's not just I'm represented, sit back, and they would do the work for you. I think that um, it's actually more beneficial in some cases for an artist to be doing sort of the self-hustling sort of thing. Um, with artists uh, looking for opportunities, I mean, there's some artists that are also curators themselves, and so they can kind of conjure up these opportunities. I think a lot of it is, in Boston especially, sort of identifying an untapped area that you might be interested in and kind of exploring, if I were to do something here, how would this happen? Like you have the Dewey Square mural that, you know, came up a few years ago with Oz Gemios, uh, boy in pajamas appearing and I work across the street and I remember looking at that and thinking how did this happen this is so different from everything that is around what pieces came together like how did this happen so you've got the property owner you've got like the arts community you've got and so thinking about ways to sort of create an opportunity where there was none before so it's I think it's more than just kind of like finding a rogue warehouse it's kind of like creating opportunities to have art in unexpected places um, and really sort of thinking about if you have a great idea, like, what would it take to get this to happen? And I think, you know, you have, like, the Parks Department and the DCR, and you have these people that are interested as well in helping. And so it's just about thinking outside the arts community itself of, like, really sometimes just a site and then thinking about how can I make something happen here? What permits would I need? And how do you, which I guess speaks to the public realm, too. But in, in terms of gallery spaces, I mean, sometimes you can just ask somebody, like a storefront or a, a gallery, there, I mean there's a lot of co-op galleries, there's places that are looking, doing calls for uh, artists to show work there, juried shows, I don't know, just getting your name out there in as many places, I think there's no, no shame in that. Are there any cautions um, that you would give to artists? Um, artists uh, notoriously are taken advantage of. Sure. Um, oh. To have their art I'll hang your art for free to decorate my business or place, um, and it'll be a benefit for you because your art will be seen. I mean, how do you help an artist navigate that scenario? Um, I think that's where, like, I'm actually like really helpful in what I do because I think th like that's a sweet spot of like sort of being a buffer between these situations. Whether it's an artist and like a city official or like an artist and a company, I think that you know, when you're an artist and this is your life and this is your passion, your career, it's all bundled up. I think it's sometimes um, scary for you to try to push things or say the wrong thing and it 
makes you almost uh, retreat in this position where you feel compelled to just accept whatever comes your way. Even though you don't feel great about it, you feel if you said no, then you're kind of blacklisted and you close yourself off from opportunities. So I can kind of go between and say, I've got this great artist, you should probably pay them. Like, let's do this. Um, so I think that that's really important. Even just sort of the language um, that you use with these sort of organizations. I did a project in 2015 called the Isle Arts Initiative on the Boston Harbor Islands, and that involved the DCR and the National Park Service. And I think with, uh, and we brought out uh, in that case, uh, visual artists work 11 installations out on the islands. And so when you have an artist with like a really big idea, when you're talking about that with the parks people, you don't, don't want it to be a non-starter off the bat. So I was kind of saying to artists, you know, if you want to do something with lasers, let's say lights, like let's, let's like, it's the same thing, but just like the language that you're using would really, um, you need sometimes like a facilitator. Anytime you're talking to your friend versus a teacher versus a mentor, you have to sort of approach things in different ways. So there's that nuance that it's sometimes helpful to have somebody advocating for you and kind of, and, and translating both ways too. So when we started the conversation, you were talking about um, um, really exploring everything from art of the MFA to art in grandma's basement. Tell us a little bit more about Grandma's Basement. What's going on in that part of Boston? <laughs> well, I mean, I just mean that as in, you know, we have limited media outlets, you know, uh, and media outlets open and close and publications, and sometimes, like, you know, there's advertising that's really expensive and, and cost prohibitive and galleries that might not have a good relationship with a publication, so an artist solo exhibition never gets seen. So it's just, when artists reach out to me directly, I do like a monthly wrap up, which I should probably start now for next month, but uh, <laughs> where I talk about everything that's going on in the city, a lot of that is fueled by artists themselves sending me information on their exhibitions. So um, when people, if somebody's doing something in their home, that might not be mentioned in the Globe or uh, you know highlighted on a marquee, but if somebody tells me what they're doing, it'll go on the site in the same listing that's with the ICA and the MFA and everybody else. So. Um, I think it's a good way to sort of give exposure to artists as well because you have a city like New York where there might be thousands of things happening over a weekend and, and with the wrap up it's usually about 50 really solid things that are going on and that's and I include like images so there's like a way to kind of visually scan of what you might be interested in and then learn more about it so are you your own jury I mean do you have a certain quality control of what you're putting in the wrap up or just anybody who comes you'll you'll put it out there? yeah anybody yeah I'm not um, with everything I do writing and uh, curating and uh, sharing information online I'm not trying to, I don't think I, I need to tell somebody like what's good or not. I mean, that's so very subjective. And even as an arts writer, I kind of don't like uh, the wordsmithing and sort of the getting caught up in negative criticism. I just feel like it's kind of um, uh, not really productive to like what is happening here. And, I, and I'm more of a person that's just coming from a place of like, I want to let you know this is going on. And then you can go and then you can like, you know, make a decision for yourself about what you think. Um, I'm not, on the other side, I'm not going to uh, also say, like, this thing is great if I don't think so. So, I mean, I balance it in different ways. I, I think in that way I can still be, like, a trusted resource, but people can also reach out to me without thinking they're going to be buried or, you know, <laughs> that I'm going to say, like, terrible things about them. So, so um, curator and art consultant, I'm also going to call you art therapist. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I like that. Liz Devlin, <laughs> another one of our creative minds out loud. <laughs> Great, thanks so much for having me.
To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.